listening, guys. Welcome back. My name is Grayson Mann, and welcome to a very, very special episode of the Man with the Plan podcast. I have with me a former Clemson Tiger and now ACC Network analyst, Eric McLean. I'm ready. We were just talking. He's got me fired up. He's got me ready to go. This is going to be an awesome episode. There's literally, I think when I reached out to you, I had like a set idea of what I wanted to do. And then I feel like the world fell apart once again with college football. So there's a lot to talk about, man. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. I love Love the swag, love the, the polar there with the, the logo and the title. Love that. Yeah. Um, it was funny before I was like looking, I was like, I wonder what that's for. And then you you lay it out there for me. You give me the alley oop. But yeah, excited, <laughs> man. We had a great week of football, obviously, um, and, and excited to see the Tigers play uh tomorrow night in Wallace Wade. Yeah, absolutely. It's gonna be a fun game. We'll get into that in a second just because of the the timing advantage we have. So this will drop on Monday morning Perfect. as I'm heading up to Durham and Eric's already there getting ready to roll for his coverage. So definitely be sure to check that out as well. But Eric, we're going to start from the very beginning. I like to do this with my guests, especially who have their football journey. Where was that start for you? Because you come in as one of the winningest Tigers in Clemson's football history. We'll get into that very soon. But for you, how did that all start? Because you go from here to now you're working as an ACC network analyst. It's very fascinating to me. But where did it all begin? Yeah, Uh, you know, I think football was... You just always a thing that I love, you know, and, and wanted to play. And and funny enough, I'm um, here with my dad. He, he's right over here listening as I'm talking this. He didn't let me play for a long time. Like it, it, I had to wait until fifth grade. Uh, and, and, you know, it was always one of those things. Everywhere you walk, the coaches are like, who the heck's this guy? Like, get him in. What are we doing? You know, we want him on our team. And he's like, not so fast. So I had to wait until, you know, kind of that middle school, right before middle school to, to play. But always something that I love. Love watching, love, you know, playing in the backyard, playing with my brother, playing with my dad, things of that nature, and kids in the neighborhood. Um, and so always just had this love for it. Uh, and, and then once you get to play it and you're like this gladiator and it's just, <laughs> it's amazing. I think it's the greatest sport in the world. Um, what it can do for you, the avenues that it can create, the people that you can meet through it, um, the lessons you can learn. I mean, it, it, it's incredible, man. And, and that's why I'm you know super excited of where we're going with the sport, just kind of to get, take away it off left lane here but I think we're making a lot of improvements and increasing the game a lot of different ways so from that aspect um you know then how do you find Clemson um you know because I grew up in Tennessee Uh, my dad got back into the Air Force when the towers fell uh so then we moved around and you know I went to high school in North Carolina grew up like I said in Tennessee so always was a Tennessee guy my mom went there most of her family went to Tennessee um, and, and was actually committed there to Philip Fulmer way back in the day, way back when. And uh, they fired him, you know, brought in a new staff with Lane Kiffin. And I just didn't think the fit was for me and, and you know, decommitted. And, you know, funnily, you know, enough with, you know, a guy who was on that Fulmer staff was Coach Dan Brooks, who's one of the best defensive tackle coaches ever. Uh, he went to Clemson. And as soon as I decommitted, man, he hit me up and said, you know, hey, Mac, we saw you decommitted. Uh, you know, we'd love to get you over at Clemson and take a visit. And I'm like, who? Like, what? <laughs> what are you talking? I had no clue, brother. I promise you, this is not a joke. I didn't know where Clemson was. I didn't know what state it was in at the time. And that's what's so crazy about right now to think what that brand, what that Paul has turned into since, you know, t- 2009. I mean, that, that, that's that's kind of when this, what, 2008, 2009, when this all was happening, the dramatic differences that are, occur right now. Uh, I mean, the world, I mean, you see that Paul, you know what time it is, like every, anywhere. <laughs> Uh, and, and so, you know, to go back to that, uh, I was just like, huh, what are you? And he's like, yeah, we're in the ACC. I'm like, no, man, I ain't doing that. I'm going to the SEC. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to, to, you know, Auburn or Tennessee, whatever. And, uh, 
you know, then funny enough, we were down at Auburn. And uh, so to go back home, uh, I'm driving on 85. So I pass right by Clemson. For those that know listening, you, you kind of know 19B right there, all that. And so he calls me, Coach Brooks calls me again and says, hey, I know you're at Auburn. I know you got to pass Clemson to go home. Why don't you stop by? And, of course, we didn't know that. So I put it in the GPS. The to- It was a TomTom back in the day. <laughs> and, uh, dude, we were close. We were like 45 minutes away. And so we're like, okay, let's go see Coach Brooks. You know, whatever. That would be great. You know, we're pulling off the exit, and there's Tiger Paws on the road, and it's sunset. I'm doing I'm doing my research in the car, and I find their cur- colors are purple and orange. They're the Tiger, all these different – some guy, Dabo Sweeney. Who the heck is that? Uh, you know, this guy has no head coaching experience and, uh, you know, we pull off and the sun is setting, it's purple and orange everywhere. And you know, what was different about most places I had been is it's really, or visited, it, there's a lot of towns, a lot of cities that these schools are in. So it's really different. Like the football is kind of standalone Auburn, very similar to Clemson, but you know, when we're coming around perimeter and I'm seeing these these sunflower fields and cow pastures and things. I'm like, where is the stadium about to emerge? Because it says we're two minutes away. Like, where is this about to come from? And then it just rips out of the trees on perimeter. And you're just like, whoa. Like, this is different than anything I've ever seen. Um, and then just to meet Coach Sweeney, to, to see the passion, uh, the, the, the culture that he was building, the, the thought process that he had of where he thought it could go, and uh, it was so contagious, man. I wanted to be a part of it. I mean, I'm just listening to all of this and meeting players. And I'm like, this is crazy. I want to be a part of this thing. And so committed very shortly after that. And uh, like you kind of said, the rest was history, man. For sure. And you talk about that vision and you touched on how the poll in 2023 means a lot different than oh, yeah. someone in 2009. You're not saying who. It's right. a national <laughs> brand that's been able to be taking down Alabama national championship, playing in all these different things, accomplishing things that as Dabo puts it, little Clemson probably wasn't able to do back then. But for you, I think it's fascinating that your time at Clemson, it was like, it was the program was continuously doing this. It was rising for my Spotify audits. I'm making like an arrow up type thing, (laughs) but when did you start to realize, was it maybe a practice? Was it maybe something with the team as it was growing where you thought this, this could be something special, maybe not thinking, they're going to go win two national championships, go on a 29 right. game win streak. But did you think at any particular moment before the 2015 year, your final year at Clemson thinking, man, there's something brewing here. This is no. exciting, but no one else on the outside is talking about it. Yeah. Honestly, when I was committed, I mean, and, and you see the guys that we got in that class, I mean, that 2011 class is sweet. Uh, you know, and, and there was probably a little bit more potential that didn't quite make it, uh, you know, from attrition and things like injuries and, and things like that. But that class was loaded. Uh, you know, with five stars everywhere, Sammy Watkins, kind of the headliner there and one of the greatest receivers ever, uh, just a total freaky dude. Um, you know, and, and I think that we knew, Hey, if we can, if we can stay together, if we can figure this thing out, there's going to be some change that occurs. And of course the leaders like Taj Boyd and Dwayne Allen and Brandon Thomas, all these great players, um, that were, that were there. Uh, so we wanted to be a part of that and kind of knew it, but then, you know, practices just started becoming different, like competitive dudes, like making plays, then that's translating to the field early 2011. I mean, we got as high as I think number nine or maybe higher than that in the country. And it kind of fell, the wheels fell off a little bit to end that season. But, you know, we knew at that point that, okay, you know, okay, let's sustain this. How do we do that? You know, how do we continue to bring in talent? Let's learn from our mistakes in that year. And that goes for coaches too. I mean, coach Sweeney did not know how to handle that moment with that type of success, with the type of practices, the way that we did it, taking care of your guys. I mean, we went down to the orange bowl, 
early, like two weeks early, 10 days early, which is crazy. Uh, we get off the plane, we go condition. Like, dude, we've played a whole year. And so that <laughs> everybody got better. You know, I think that's a very important thing that he has gotten immensely better as a head coach as he's learned. And he hasn't been, you know, this guy that just is stuck in his ways. We're going to do it this way and that's it. You know, he, he's gotten significantly better over time and, and such a great, you know, just manager, coach, play caller, all these different things. Like he's got it all. He's the perfect package recruiter. My goodness. Um, all the things that he has. And then it, it, it took it up a notch in 2015. Like you kind of said, where we were in camp, the level of execution that we were really hammering it out, uh, the level of play, no mistakes. I mean, it's day three of camp and you would have thought that we were in the middle of the year, the way that we were practicing and, uh, you know, funny enough, I called my grandmother and said, I think we're going to go to the national championship. And she's like, what? She's an Alabama fan. She said, no, you know, whatever. And uh, then we did, you know, we went all the way there and came up a little bit short, but it was, it was, I did not think that we'd be able to do what they've done since then. You know, I didn't know that it would be at this astronomical rate where the standard now is to, to be in the playoff, to be in a national championship and to win it. Uh, you know, what, what has been set on Clemson now. Yeah. And I think it's an, I think these last few years, and I've been able to touch on this in our football preview series that we've done on this podcast, is that expectations are a crazy thing for a program like Clemson for the last two years that hasn't exactly met the bar that's been set. Because you go from 2015 to 2020, I believe there's only seven losses, and four of those are in the postseason. And you go look at these last couple years, six losses in the last two seasons. You got to take a with the ACC network, and we'll get into that role that you've been able to do in a bit, but you've been able to go on this road trip and you had some, you got to spend some time with Clemson in this off season and talk to Dabo, talk to the guys. What have you seen from them? What when the conversations with players or coaches, what's different about this year? I classify it when I went to the practices as it just feels like there's a different buzz. It feels like moves that they made this off season. It feels almost like not like a fresh start, but it feels like, I I don't know. I don't want to be drinking too much of the Kool-Aid here for Clemson, but something just feels different. And it's not something you can just put into a simple term or simple word. Right. Well, you know, I I think it might, and it's confidence. You know, I I think that that's what just oozes out of this team, out of these players, out of this coaching staff. And, you know, it's funny when, when I asked Will Shipley, I said, you know, everyone's saying, you know, it's great. It's awesome. Blah, blah, blah. Why is it different now with, with, you know, Garrett Riley, you know, what's the, what's the biggest thing. And, you know, he kind of just said the, the confidence that he instills in us and also has in us it is just hard to replicate. When he calls a play, when he calls my number, whether it's a pass or a run, I know that he expects me to score. I know that he's calling this and it's going to be executed. So I score a touchdown. And he said to feel that on the field, like it just makes you feel invincible. And, and so can't wait to see that obviously in a game setting uh, because certainly it's a little bit different there, but that's the biggest thing to me, man. And scheme and all that motions and formations and route tree, like it's great. But at the end of the day, if you don't fully feel like what you're doing is is going to win a football game or score points at a minimum, uh, you know, it's hard and it's hard. And, and that happens. We've seen that happen through various programs throughout college football. So that's what I think is, has been the biggest difference offensively, defensively, man. I, I think that, uh, they just got a bunch of hard workers. You know, we're going to see this defense under, you know, year two of Westgood when we just saw what, you know, North Carolina did in year two under Gene Chiswick. My gosh, they look like a totally different program. Um, so maybe not the quite dramatic of effects there, but, you know, certainly I think that the skill set, the players, um, the, the way that they're going to play is going to be much harder, which in, in holistically here is going to make Clemson a, a team that is dangerous, a team that I think is back 
uh, to competing for a playoff spot for a national championship. Yeah, you talk about North Carolina last night. How about that? I believe nine sacks and they, yeah, they were... nine of them. Oh, Smacked man. them. Smacked them. Love it. Love to see it. but I'm going to take a little bit of a detour here on our Clemson conversation, get to what you've been doing with the ACC network. You've been able to be a part of this, the show called the huddle. It's been a lot of cool things that I've seen on your Twitter feed, your podcast. There's a lot of just awesome stuff. So how did that begin? How did that originate? And what, what did like, did maybe someone say, you really have something in this media business here. You should really try something like that. How did that get started? And how have you grown in that part of your career? Yeah, you know, Grayson, it's funny, man. You know, as my time as a player, um, I was just given a lot of great opportunities, you know, to, to speak to people whenever Marty Smith came to town, whenever Kirk Herbstreit came to town, Chris Fowler, um, you know, Reese Dave, all these great guys, right? Anytime that they were there, Joey Galloway, um, you know, all these things that were amazing, you know, and as a player, you know, I was asked to do that. And it was cool. And it was something where you're talking with these guys. They're like, man, you know, you got this. You should try this. And I never wanted to. You know, I, I thought that it was something that, you know, to be great, uh, which, you know, if I'm going to do it, that's what I want to be. Uh, it would take a lot of sacrifice. You know, it talk take a lot of film, take a lot of travel, a lot of different things that, you know, I just didn't think that I wanted to do, you know, at the time and, and wanted to, to be able to be there with my family for any and everything. And, you know, all these different things, you know, that you think as a kid. And, uh, you know, so I, I didn't pursue it myself. You know, I went in and finished my master's degree after I got cut, you know, from the NFL and uh, was working in the athletic department for a couple of years there, uh, which was great and kind of wanted to go on the track of being an athletic director. So, you know, after I got my master's, I began working with, uh, you know, Clemson's multimedia rights company, you know, selling sponsorship, marketing partnerships, doing radio, things of this nature. Uh, and then in 2018, when Clemson, you know, absolutely dismantled Alabama in the <laughs> national championship there, uh, you know, I, I had a, a got reached out by a ESPN person and, and you know, didn't know what it was. You know, it was kind of strange how it was approached and all these different things. And, uh, you know, they, they asked me to fly up to Bristol and to be a part of this team. And it's so funny that we have kind of our mindset. And then when God puts something in your path uh it's just you know it's crazy it really is you know this entire journey and so long story short to get to there the the people that I work with man coach Mark Rigg EJ Manuel Eddie Royal Kelsey Riggs and and a whole lot of people behind the camera that no one will ever know but they're you know instrumental and amazing in what they do uh I'm so blessed man and it's amazing such a great thing and Honestly, the, the best part, you know, a lot of people probably think it's it's the the celebrity or the glam or whatever it is that you want to call it, that, that people probably think is amazing. Uh, honestly, it is meeting different people from all walks of life, very similar to football. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have my great Clemson family that I love to death, but also having, you know, all these other families when I go to, to different schools and get to meet these people. And, you know, it, it's it's exceptional, man. I was joking around with you that I, you know, w- w- met, ran into Riley Leonard's mom, you know, the yeah. quarterback of Duke and, and Graham Barton's mom in the hotel today. And, you know, they watch our stuff and they love what we do. And so all of that is so much fun for me. Um, and I just, I cherish it every day, man. I, if it's a dream, I hope I don't wake up. And uh, <laughs> it, it's just hard to imagine this is what I do for work. And it's such a blessing. Yeah. And if it's not work, if you love it, right? That's right. No question. But- for you with this uh, ACC network opportunity and this line of work that you're doing, you've been able to travel across the country and visit all yeah. these different ACC schools. And I think this season in particular, given the context of what 2024 will look like and 
what form that will take. And I'm sure we can talk about that in a bit, but was there a school or something that maybe in this journey that you've had that you never really thought about is like, it wasn't ever on your radar, but then you get to visit it and go, wow, this is unbelievable. This <laughs> campus is beautiful. Yeah. This culture is amazing. Is right. there a school or maybe yeah. schools that you've been able to uh, build relationships with in that context? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. And, and quite frankly, man, it, it's the easy out, but it's true. Um, we have a ton of diversity in the ACC. Like it, it is very different if you go to Boston College or Wake Forest or Clemson or NC State or North Carolina or Miami, Louisville, Syracuse, all these different things. And that's, you know, half the league. Um, they're so different. The, you know, the, the diversity that we have in private versus public, big versus small, they're all so unique within themselves that, that you just appreciate. And we have beautiful campuses, amazing staffs, great players, um throughout that i truly th th there's honestly not a school that i can sit here and say man i i, I hate going there i wish <laughs> we weren't going there because the people are are very good that we work with and, and exceptional so i love it uh maybe some highlights i always love going to virginia tech we just left there uh saturday that environment is nuts i have to give so much credit to those fans because i mean they were bad they were a bad football team last year yeah only winning three games and they're playing an fcs opponent and there's not a seat in the house. I mean, they are loaded up. The fans are going berserk. It's loud. Inner Sandman, they're going crazy. Um, so that's always a favorite. Obviously, going home to, to Clemson um, is a big-time favorite. But I like NC State, too, which I know Clemson fans don't want to hear that. And I know they hate <laughs> oh, that no. I'm saying that. Yeah, right. Uh, but I, I love Coach Dorn. He's a different kind of dude. He's a blue-collar dude. Um, and, and I always give love and appreciate going there. So, But, again, like I said, I, I love going to all of them. Uh, there is not a place that, like I said, I dread or don't want to go. We're we're lucky to to have that in this league. Absolutely, and you'll. It looks like you're going to have a couple more schools to visit in the future. That's right. I got to get my year. airline miles up, man. I got to <laughs> get that flight going. <laughs> so I guess we will just segue into that. Is the last couple of weeks have been a very much will they, won't they? It feels like a relationship on a TV drama of are they going to get together or not with Cal, Stanford, and SMU joining the conference. It's it's the latest move or the latest domino to fall in conference expansion. I would love to just get your instant reaction or maybe what your line of thinking was is where's the future of this conference? There's so many questions within that one move that 2024 is going to feel a lot like 2014, where it's a new college football format. There's a lot of moving parts around. I'm excited to see it. I know that a lot of fans in college football are, I think, cautiously optimistic or maybe just completely upset on certain moves, but I'd love to get your take on what yeah. you think this new college football world is going to look like very soon. Yeah, man. No, it's, it's going to be fascinating, you know, to say the least, you know, I, I think with uh, a lot of different reasons, you know, the expansion of the playoff moving to 12 teams conference realignment as crazy as it is, you, you got people, you're going to have to really be up on your stuff to know where people are and where they're playing. Right. You know, cause it, it's all over the place now. Um, but you know, the sport's evolving. And it's changing. And, and, you know, the interesting thing will be for me, how does it continue to move? How quickly does it continue to move? Is, is the, Are we trying to be a mini NFL? Is that what we want to be? Are you going to start to see not expanding and realignment, but separation of you're not invited to the party? You know, is that what's next? Is there a super conference or two that emerged or a different division where the big boys take their ball and go to go go away? And they say, hey, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, et cetera. We're going to play over here. Y'all figure it out. Y'all have fun. You know, and, and that will be very interesting to see how, when, why, what does that happen? And, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, 
it's good and bad, right? There, there's a lot of different things with it. You know, when, when you see the things that will cease to exist, when you see the new opportunities that will exist uh, and the new opportunities and the money, all these different things, you know, because this is a business. You know, I, I think it is silly and and ignorant, quite frankly, to, to think that this isn't a multi-dollar business and there's a lot of stuff going on uh, and that players will continue to be involved more. Uh, I would not be shocked at all if there is a rev share model down the road uh, when you talk about TV rights and things of that nature and, you know, unions that will be formed. Now, I, I do not like the the uh, the employee part of it because I think that's a different world. And I think we got to be careful what we ask for there, because if I'm an employee, I can be fired immediately and uh, I don't have a scholarship anymore and I'm told to go home. I think we got to be real careful about that. If I'm an employee, I have to pay for my health insurance at, at certain institutions and things of that nature. And do you have the same level of care? Uh, you know, cause if I have to pay for that, Oh, I can't afford it. I'm not getting that, you know, MRI on my knee and I'm figuring it out. And, and then, you know, it's severely worse. So there's a lot of pluses and minuses, you know, with, with all of that, but we are certainly entering a, a new and different world, whether we <laughs> like it or not. And, uh, just hold on to your seat. Cause I, I don't know if it's quite done yet. Yeah. I, I think it's very, I, for a lot of people thinking that this is the final move or the final step. Oh yeah, it's not. I, <laughs> Don't it, worry about that. <laughs> it's going to be a while before they finalize all of this. And maybe yeah. at that point too, when we think there's a finality to it, they have something up their sleeves ready to go because man, it feels, it feels like you blink and you miss it, but it feels like yesterday that Oklahoma and Texas were announced to be the sec. Right. And you thought, wow, yeah. that's yeah. weird, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. It It is fascinating, man. And what a shockwave that was that led to, you know, so many different things happening. But like I said, ultimately, I do think it is good for the sport. Uh, you know, I think it does equal more opportunities. It's just, it's just different. It's just different at the end of the day. Yeah, I, oh yeah, absolutely. It's, it's good to continue to blow my mind. And I think it's interesting to be able to I, I grow up in the sport and it's right. changed so much before my eyes and I continue to learn so many different things. So I'm excited to really, uh, like you said, get those air the air miles going because we're gonna <laughs> see right. we're gonna see some orange in California at some point. So that's right. We'll see how that goes. But Eric we're worked out well the last time we were there, right? Oh yeah, for sure. I think so. <laughs> last time I checked, where was that? Hmm. <laughs> but we're gonna have one more question, and we're gonna dive into Clemson and Duke tonight on Monday night. This will be dropping Monday morning, so you're gonna get your appetite for the season opener and then we're gonna do some rapid fire with our guest eric mcclain so eric what are you looking forward to for tomorrow i think this is a duke team that a lot of people aren't talking about enough riley leonard one of the more refined quarterbacks in this conference under yeah. coach elko i really am excited to get there to durham tomorrow to see how duke looks how clemson looks with this new offense yeah it's going to be i think a really competitive game and should set up a lot of interesting stuff for the season what are you looking for on monday night yeah, you know, I, I'll start on the Duke side. Um, you know, Riley Leonard's the real deal, okay? Like, people need to understand who this cat is and the things that he can do. He's dangerous, uh, as all get out, has a great arm, fantastic with his legs. And and what I think separates him from most, uh, when you're talking about elite level, and I think he's, he's right there to being, like, one of the best. And some people think he's there. I think, you know, he will get there this season, and maybe quicker than not, um, is his competitive drive and kind of having that, you know, multiple personality thing like Kobe Bryant, like the Mamba mentality off the field, amazing, humble, great Christian man, probably wouldn't know that he's a football player other than his size because he's a big guy, uh, just the way he acts. When he steps between those lines, he's trying to destroy you. 
Like he is trying to do everything he can to beat you. And I think that that's what separates him so quickly, especially at that position. You've got to have that to be great at the quarterback position. And, and he does. And I think that spreads throughout his team uh, and really instills a ton of confidence for those guys at every position, offense, defense, specialist, offensive lineman, whatever uh, they've got it going on. So, you know, they're going to try to run the ball. They had a, a you know, just a, a nice backfield there where I think had three or four guys over 400 yards last year. Of course, Riley being a part of that as well, really outstanding offensive line led by Graham Barton, uh, who I think is going to be a first round draft pick at left tackle. He's a versatile piece that at the next level can play a, a, a bunch of different positions, but he's a mauler, man. He's got sweet feet, heavy hands, uh, really cerebral player, knows what he's looking at. So can't wait to see that matchup between you know Clemson's defensive line and Duke's offensive line there. Uh, and what a great opportunity for both, you know, not just him, but Xavier Thomas and Justin Maskell and some of these other young cats going against that. Like, that's good for you. You know, if you can get some wins there and vice versa. Um, and then the receivers, you know, when, when you look at these guys, you know, kind of led by Jalen Calhoun there and, and Jordan Moore, uh, really explosive guys that can be difference makers. And, you know, Clemson fans, let's see what those DBs can do. You know, we saw last year a couple of times they got really burned and, you know, quite frankly, embarrassed in the Wake Forest game. And then little more of the same in the Tennessee game with busted coverages and guys running free. So if he has time, you know, is Riley Leonard able to replicate that or has Clemson matured and gotten better and, you know, really became locked down, which they have the potential. I mean, my goodness, Nate Wiggins has the opportunity and the potential, I think, to be a, a first round cornerback with his size and explosive nature, uh, but he's got to do it. And it's going to start up here, you know, with Nate. And then of course, with, with Makuba at the safety position, I think the same thing. I mean, he, I think he's one of the best players on the field, when he's locked in healthy and ready to go. So, you know, that's going to be a fa fantastic chess match. Um, I think it's going to come down to Riley's legs and, you know, just how much can Jeremiah Trotter, who's a, a freak of nature uh, and, and Barrett Carter and Wade Wood as uh, who are also, you know, freaks of nature, <laughs> how much can they, yeah, I didn't want to discredit anybody there. Yeah. Uh, you know, how can they limit that running ability? Because I think it's going to be an absolute chess match okay, we're going to show you this and then bring something else. I think the the multi uh, multiple looks, uh, the 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 complexity of the defense that we're going to see from Clemson uh, is going to be much more than last year. You know, I think, you know, Wes Goodwin was just kind of getting his bearings and figuring it out, and now he sees these weapons that he has and full steam ahead. So I can't wait to see it, man. It's going to be fantastic from kind of those two points of views. Absolutely. I, I'm really excited to see how, and you talk about Riley's legs is that eye discipline with those linebackers, especially when yeah. things start to get chaotic. Can they stay in their assignments? Can they do their right. jobs? Because it only takes one receiver to slip away as Riley's exactly. scrambling to his left or right to make big a big play, play happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I was told that Duke, it's the, not a terribly large stadium, but they're going to be packed. They're going to be excited. There's oh, yeah. a lot of enthusiasm about where this football program's heading. So yep. I'm just got to stay on their uh, P's and Q's tomorrow night for sure. <laughs> No but doubt about it, man. No doubt about it. I'm super excited to get into it, but we're going to do some rapid fire questions with you, Eric. We're going to get on. into the the nitty gritty of this show. So guys, as before we get into this, I just want to thank you so much for tuning in and uh, make sure to give Eric McLean a follow. I'll drop his Twitter Come on. in the bio to make sure you guys go and follow that so follow his coverage. <laughs> but Eric, first question. This is actually from one of our Clemson Rivals subscribers. I put on our message board down there that we were, I was having you on the podcast. And I was like, does anyone have any questions? Let's so go, this, baby. This is one that stood out to me is that you worked under Robbie Caldwell as the offensive line coach, but what is the biggest difference between him and Thomas Austin? Now hmm. the offensive line coach at Clemson. That's a great question. Um, 
Yeah, I think obviously, you know, Coach Caldwell, old school guy, like was an All-American at Furman, uh, you know, really great, you know, for for his time. But I think the game's changed a little bit. And, you know, I think with techniques and things of that nature, and, uh, you know, quite frankly, Thomas is, you know, a guy that I had one year with. And I, I felt like the knowledge and techniques and just different vantage point and point of view that, you know, he kind of helped me with in my senior year was tremendous. And, you know, now that he got the job, it's his deal. Uh, it's great to see. So I think that, you know, just kind of not a learning curve, but the, the game changes, you know, right. And in different ways and different things work better. And, you know, I think that, that coach Thomas is going to have, you know, this Clemson offensive line in a great spot um, and really, get back to being a strength of the team, you know, not a liability, not a question mark, but being the leaders up front that they should be. Absolutely. All right. The next one, Eric, we're going to let you jog the memory of your playing days. Was there a rep <laughs> against, was there a memorable rep? I talked to Richard Jurgen about, was there any reps that you look back on now? And he recalls getting a, he had Joe Mixon trying to blindside block him. And he remembers just pile driving to the ground at the orange bowl in the playoff <laughs> semifinal. Is there a moment like that where you got somebody and you're just, you look back on your playing days and go, man, that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the the biggest one is probably a Sean Robinson, who was an absolute monster, terrifying human being uh, for <laughs> Alabama in the national championship. I mean, this guy was born with a six pack and a full beard. Like that's just, <laughs> he came out of the womb looking like that man and uh, was freaky as all get out. But he and I were just going back and forth all game, you know, chirping, fighting, going after it. And, uh, you know, he kept putting his hand on my throat and like extending, which is illegal, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and, and one time he did, and I just like lean into him, not headbutt him, but headbutt him. And I'm just like, I'm about to kill you. Like, that's kind of what I told him. <laughs> and uh, the very next play, we run a screen, which I, I have something called rat kill, uh, which you kind of go upfield and turn back around, which is illegal now, by the way. Uh, you cannot <laughs> hit back towards the line of scrimmage, but it wasn't yet. And uh, he was right there, man. I just laid him out. I mean, it could have been targeting. It was such a big hit. And, uh, you know, I'm just talking junk, going crazy. And that was a fun one. It's on my Instagram page. So if you do a little scrolling, you'll have to go back a ways. Oh, man. But it's on there. It's on there. You can find it. Can I have to, like, I feel like if, like, we had, like, I, I do all this. If I had a producer, I'd have to pop that thing up right now. I'd <laughs> love right. to see the Eric McLean highlights from the national championship. That's right. All right. This is another one from one of our Clemson Rivals subscribers and saying, Maybe it's someone you've played against. Maybe it's maybe not Ashawn Robinson, who, as you put it, was born with a six pack and a beard. But is there someone that you played with or against that was one of the strongest people that you've ever maybe you saw it in the weight room? Maybe you yeah. saw it like on the field and you just thought, man, there's a picture. I think I don't know who it was on Baylor, but the jersey couldn't even fit him. He was just like yeah, Sean Oakman. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Is there somebody like that that you've been able to encounter in your career? Yeah. Uh, you know, fortunately for me, I've been blessed to go against a lot of great defensive linemen. Uh, a lot of them went to Clemson. Um, but Grady Jarrett's the one that stands out. I mean, that dude was just so freaky, so strong. Wasn't the biggest guy in the world, so he had leverage on his side too, which is even more difficult. Um, but would just worked harder than anybody in the world. I mean, and you see that in his NFL career. A guy who was super low recruit, I think Clemson beat Georgia Tech to get him. I think that was it. And maybe it was even less than that. It might not have been a power five school. Um, and then NFL, I think he was a drafted in the fifth round. Uh, and then he eventually became the highest paid defensive tackle in the league and it is an absolute monster, you know, for Atlanta. So that going against that guy every day, uh, it'll make you question whether you want to play football or not. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. We got another one. This is going to be by your ACC network. If there's someone that you could interview player or coach, maybe it's mm. someone you've already talked to 
or someone that you've been dying to be able to ask questions to, who would that be and why? That's a fascinating question. Um, I'll keep it in the sports world for sure. Honestly, here's a good one. This is this just came to me. Uh, Bobby Bowden. I really would ah, love to yeah. have been able to sit down with him and uh, just all the stories I've heard from EJ Manuel and, and Coach Mark Rick, who obviously know him very intimately and and for a long time. Talking about Coach Rick, he he just seemed like the best person, and and I competed against him for sure, but never met him. I was such a young player, um, and, and I regret that that I never got to do that, and and would have loved to sat down and and had not even a football conversation, just, just life, man. And his perspective and, and how great of a man he was, that would have been pretty cool to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolute legend too. In the yeah, yeah. Um, last two, this is another ACC network one that is there a game that you've been to. That's probably the most memorable one that you've covered, or hmm. maybe it was one that caught you by surprise or I, I for me yesterday, Colorado TCU. I thought TCU was <laughs> yeah. going to likely take care of business. And Deion Sanders, if you're ever watching this, don't don't call me out in a press conference, please. And <laughs> I don't want to turn into another victim of the, That's the receipts. Right. That's right. He's got them. He's keeping them. Uh, I, I'll I'll give some more love to Virginia Tech. I think the first time that I was there, uh, seeing that was crazy. Um, you know, just because you hear the stories, and I never got to play there, uh, which stinks. And I love the new model, which will now have to be adjusted again because of the three teams we're adding. Yeah. Um, but I never got to play there, so I never saw it in person. The first time I did that, that was pretty incredible from an atmosphere standpoint. They did lose that game, which sucked against Notre Dame. Um, but the national championship, you know, it was our first year to go all the way, follow Clemson to play LSU, one of the best teams ever. Um, I mean, it's the mountaintop, right? It, it's yeah. all the coverage, all the people that are there, you know, from like a celebrity sports media world. I mean, everybody was there and you know obviously i played in the game but then to do it on that side uh there's nothing like it so we're still chasing it hopefully we'll go back you know i feel like dan marino right now we go the first year and then we never go back uh but hopefully we will <laughs> and we make it happen because uh it, it's a cool thing and i think clemson fsu have a good shot to do that absolutely and that actually is my final question to you there for clemson to win the national championship what has to happen and where do you what, what's the vision for you how what does how does clemson get back to that <clears throat> mountaintop yeah, I, I think uh, a little bit of luck is going to be involved, you know, because you got to stay healthy. And these last two years, you know, really outside of quarterback play, Clemson has gotten hit by the injury bug, man. And kind of like I've never seen before with, with these guys, you know, why I've been, you know, kind of a player fan, et cetera. Um, you got to stay healthy. You know, when, when I look at the receiver position, you know, Bo Collins, Adam Randall, uh, Antonio Williams, Cole Turner, I'll throw Drake, Drake, Benny, or Jake, Drake, Jake Brenning's still in there as well. If those five stay healthy the whole year, I think Clemson has a real shot, uh, you know, because they're difference makers. Obviously, explosive plays are going to be back. And I think, um, you know, not to put it on one position group, but the wide receiver position, I think, can be the one that gets, you know, Clemson back to where they want to be. All right. I and mean, you've heard it right there. And Davo did say in July, it does start with Bo Collins. Yeah, that's right. When he's healthy, he's productive. But yeah. it's all about the, uh, the health for these Clemson Tigers. All right, Eric, do you have anything you want to add before we wrap up today? Yeah, man, this is great. Uh, you're talented, brother. Keep going. Uh, thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, excited to, to see this podcast. Tag me. I'll get it out there, brother. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. This was episode 140 of the Man with the Plan podcast. We're going to try to do some more weekly releases. I'm sorry that we did not get to our NFC preview because the first week of classes were just chaotic, guys. <laughs> That's uh, how it goes, baby. <laughs> senior year, having to adjust a little bit. The last run. 
for uh for myself here. But guys, thank you as always for tuning in. This episode, I'm sure, is going to be a great one that you guys are going to enjoy. Help us reach 26,000 listeners on this podcast across all of our platforms. Subscribe to our YouTube channel or follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave me a rating. Let me know what you think. Tell me how much you want to bring Eric back on the podcast because I'm sure <laughs> I'm going to want to do it as well. But guys, thank you as always for listening. Have a great day. Football is back. Take care and have a have a great week. Thank you.